once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C-Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. We are currently unsupervised with Mr. Sean Frazier, owner of Wise Blood Records, who has braved the podcast and our shenanigans yet again to talk about his first year as a label owner. So we are super stoked to have him back. And before we get started, I do just want to say thank you for joining us again. It is wonderful to see how brave you are. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I think this is my third time. So, you know, I must I know. Be apparently you like time. us or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me back uh, uh, yet again. Anytime. Cool. And Curtis, I'm sure you you just want to dive right on in. I want to dive right on in. Yeah. So let's talk about. Uh, so Sean's been on before. He's been here as a writer. He's been here as a uh, label owner. Um, so he wears a lot of hats in the industry. So, but today we're going to talk about his first year as the owner of Wise Blood Records. So you started it like what last spring? Yeah. So uh, I actually started uh, my first release date was early January of 2021. Yeah. Um, so I released uh, Mother of Graves and Vexing Hex that day, uh, and here we are. You know, a little over, you know, almost 14 months, I guess, later. Uh, and, uh, I'm, uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, Curtis. Uh, and, uh, and it's not just a personal experience. You know, there's been a, a lot of people along the way, uh, that, uh, noticed, I think that my intentions were, were good and, uh, and, and wanted to sort of nudge me towards a, a slightly more, uh, professional, uh, you know, endeavor. So, uh, I guess the first question then would be, are you, are you enjoying being a label owner? Or- <laughs> See, that cuts to the heart uh, of really what I what I think people forget uh, about running a label is that it will it is a job. It is a yeah. job. Now, now if you're only doing like a boutique label, maybe like a cassette label or something, you could get away with you know five to ten hours a week as a hobby. But if you're going to do a multi-format, you know steady release schedule label it's a full-time job basically um i i enjoy it almost always uh you know there are there are times when burning the burning the candle or the wick at like both ends yeah um you know if i if i get a bad night of sleep or if i get sick there's really nobody else to pick up the slack so you know uh i've been kind of kind of under siege uh, by different maladies since December. So I got COVID in December, uh, uh, January, I had, uh, I had a mobility issue, uh, with my, with my leg, uh, and all this stuff just compounded where I was like, okay, it's a lot of days of me with like a bandaged up foot or me with currently my blood vessels in my eye popped, uh, cause I got sick recently and I'm like, well, I still gotta, I, I still gotta pack these labels. So I'm there haggard bent over it. Those days aren't fun, yeah. um, because there's no cavalry coming. Um, but the rest of the stuff is awesome. Like the, the artists are a lot of fun. The fans are like super appreciative. 
it's personally personally rewarding so there there's dark moments though like i can't lie i don't want to i don't want to paint a bunch of rainbows you know like it's there there's some dark skies sometimes well I, I think a lot of people forget about that because i do know that a lot of people that do start up new labels they don't take that into consideration and then you know they get sick or whatever and then they don't pack anything up for months and people wonder where the heck they, they've gone and yeah so um where was I going with that? So how do you kind of make sure that you keep yourself motivated in order to keep going when, on the dark days? Uh, well, well, the letting people down and disappointing people is, uh, is something that would cause even more injury. You know, it would, it would damage my reputation also socially because half of my roster is here in Indianapolis. Um, so the, the real world, uh, consequences of bailing and not shipping people stuff or, you know, uh, backing out of contracts or whatever, all the stuff that kind of plagues new labels. Um, you know, I actually think, I don't think I need that, you know, like real world consequence. Uh, I'm pretty good at managing, uh, projects, but, but it, it's, it's kind of a cool, like, uh, the stakes are higher, you know, because, if I mess up, these are the friends that might see me when I'm bartending or when I'm working an event at a, at a brewery or something. Um, so uh, there's no escaping uh, <laughs> if, if I mess up, you know, in, in a major way. Um, but, but apart from that, I just I want to see the music succeed. So, uh, you know, even if it takes a, a long night or a long day of packing and shipping, um the the reward is there and it's still there uh after a year fair uh Corey, did you want to follow up anything well kind of getting away from the the dark days a little bit what has been your favorite part of running the label uh just to date the the thing that you look forward to most oh man yeah well uh the spring and summer are are coming this way uh in the american midwest and uh with that comes outdoor concert season um and being able to uh see people uh at these shows that you know you can fit a lot more people into a big you know outdoor space than you know with the uh, capacity uh of, a, of an indoor venue uh around here uh, so we broke the attendance record uh, last year at, at a local uh, heavy metal venue called Black Circle. We wrote, we broke their attendance record uh, with uh, Grave Ripper. Oh, um, that doesn't surprise me. That was such a solid, solid release. Actually, I have it. It's right there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, there's a beautiful yellow bastard of a cassette. Um, yeah. Yeah. Actually, the, I think uh, all of those cassettes are Wise Blood cassettes. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> a, little, like a little shooting gallery. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't shoot them, I promise. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, but uh, but that's that's the part that I love is uh, when I can make it to a live show, set up a table, um, and just have people come over and chat about the music I've released, music that uh, we've heard outside the label. Um, all that stuff that reminds us that uh, the social element um, of music uh, is alive and strong, um, you know, because I, I really value the connections I've made with people around the globe. Uh, but, you know, this is also a locally and regionally focused uh, label. So getting that sense of pride from people here in Indiana, uh, which is my adopted home. I'm a New Yorker. Um, 
you know, it's uh, it's felt really great to be embraced by the community here. So kind of going off off topic, but not really going off topic, like you've signed a lot of different styles of bands. So how do you kind of like have the wise blood band, you know, the like, how do you kind of figure out what a wise blood band is, I guess, other than they're from Indiana, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to find uh, what's like a common thread throughout uh, a lot of them. Um, and this isn't necessary, but I, I do like genre blending. Uh, and I do like uh, a sense of, it doesn't have to be fun, but enthusiasm. Um, because, you know, sometimes a recording just doesn't capture uh, a sort of vibrant spirit. And a band might have that on stage, uh, but I need to hear that in the, in, in the recording. So I like energetic recordings. Uh, I like things that are difficult to describe uh, with a single genre qualifier. Uh, so something like last year, like Kriegsgrave, um, I think that was one of the best black metal uh, records of the year. And we got turned down by several YouTube channels because it wasn't black metal enough. You but know, it was because- stunning. I agree with you. <laughs> You know, um, so uh, and that's okay. Like, I love that band and I think they'll continue to gain new fans and turn heads because they're such a talented uh, project. Um, But I'm always going to be drawn to stuff that makes me curious uh, to learn more. So usually traditional um, examples of a genre are are probably not going to grab my attention as much as something uh that will blend this like familiar but different kind of like the whole the the old uh hollywood you know adage it's like something that uh might touch on genres that i love but puts a new spin on it fair like um you've had a couple things that seem kind of quite different than what i expected like milk toast was one for example like how did you kind of pick something like that when you i mean you you primarily got a lot of heavier stuff so how how do you kind of like go like this is a wise blood band in that sense like i get the energy part but it's quite stylistically different for example that one for example no you're, you're spot on uh milk toast is actually the band that uh most directly nudged me into creating a label um because oh. <laughs> i was uh i was that was the summer before yeah, you know, the summer where i created the label basically uh i saw them perform at an outdoor show and it was like the first concert i had really seen um since covid started uh and they were playing to just a lawn full of people sunbathing uh basically but uh their bassist andy was crawling over everything that could be could be crawled on uh just the the sort of dual caterwaul nature of their vocals the the exuberant uh sort of joyful chaos of their set uh yeah. reminded me of what i like in punk uh and it, they're also they're metal adjacent it's pretty it's still pretty thick and heavy but it you're is. but you're right it, it nudged me into an area where okay well can i consider stuff that's maybe more punk or more grunge uh yeah. and is that okay um and i decided you know hell yeah because this is my time <laughs> this is where i spend you know 25 to, to 40 hours a week on uh and i just want to release stuff that uh that is really meaningful to me <laughs> And luckily, there's been a lot of other people that have said, actually, you know, this music uh, is, uh, you know, my taste also. So uh, 
So something that's kind of like a, a weird uh, combination of styles like milk toast um, now sort of feels more at home, but they kind of had to, I kind of had to use them as guinea pigs to be like, okay, let's, let's see how we do, you know, with picking up uh, coverage from, uh, from some places that aren't just extreme metal focused. And I take it that that went well. It did, you know, uh, it, it went really well with that. Um, the, the struggle has been more with the, uh, the album that comes out this Friday, um, uh, which is uh, Sundown. Um, they're like a melodic hardcore, you know, post-hardcore band. Uh, really amazing band. Uh, the, the hooks and songs are just so massive and well-written. But, you know, they're not metal. And they're, I can't pitch them as metal. Um, yeah. So it's been, uh, it's been humbling uh, finding uh, attention from, from new outlets who they hear Decibel Magazine and they don't, they don't really know what that means. They don't really care, you know, yeah. because their world is more uh, like uh, hot water music or quicksand. And there's some crossover there, but not real. You know, they're uh, metal and hardcore, the, that, that crossover element, uh, I guess, in, in music coverage, uh, it's just not uh, as linked as I thought it might be. Um, so, yeah. you know, so that, that's been one element where I was like, you know, I got a lot to learn um, in terms of uh, handling PR, which, uh, which I knew, which I knew anyway. Uh, but, you know, you're both in the PR game and you probably see the sort of uh, subsets of genres and how they kind of like unfold venue to venue, I guess. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Um, Corey, did you have a follow-up I, I, before going to another topic? Not, not on that. I have my own other, other topic. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so I know that you are pretty regionally focused for as far as your roster goes. Um, but how do you find that you, that like you are able to break into other markets being so regionally focused? Is it, is it like more difficult to break into Europe being so regionally focused or break into other areas in the US being so regionally focused? Or do you feel that people don't really care what region things are coming from? I don't think people care generally. Um, I think <laughs> in Europe, the, the thing that's in the way is all shipping and logistic related. Um, you know, uh, and, and that's the, the toughest not to crack there. But I think, uh, you know, I have a pretty strong presence uh, in Indonesia, uh, and uh, my presence in Europe is is growing slowly. Uh, and I think they're just excited to hear new music. Uh, if it's American, mm -hmm. I think sometimes there's a little bit of an allure to that. Um, but uh, but I don't really think it matters. Like, oh, are they from a flyover state like Indiana, or are they from you know Chicago? You know, like a big city uh, in the Midwest. Um, so it's been kind of cool to see that now with Bandcamp, that's a, kind of the great equalizer and it doesn't really matter where you're from, uh, you know, as long as you sort of, you try, you mm -hmm. try to promote yourself, you put energy into that, because, uh, you know, the, you know how it is, a lot of, for a lot of bands, the effort kind of stops once the album's recorded, mm -hmm. and it's like, we, we did it, we, we, we made this, it's done. We made the thing. <laughs> yeah. 
And then, you know, there's the obviously the grind, uh, the promotional grind of two or three months of uh, of rolling it out and making sure ears get on it. Um, so uh, I like that Bandcamp has made it easier to share stuff and region doesn't seem to be as important, uh, but it's also resulted in a lot of like quick releases that don't have a ton of thought behind them. <laughs> that is true. It definitely has. <clears throat> and so, actually, oh, one, one other regional question. So there are certain regions of the world that are very distinctive for, you know, their sound. One big example is like Bergen. Everybody kind of knows what something is going to sound like coming out of there. Do you feel like Indiana has its own kind of regional sound to it? Not, not, not really. Not right now. Um, uh, I think it's so funny because when, you know, there's the old joke where like if a drummer moves from a city, you know, five bands have to find a new drummer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like the, the scene here is pretty small and insular, but there's still a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of people share members and I'll see one person's tastes sort of inform three bands. So, you know, so I'll see like, okay, so the guy from uh, the singer from Milk Toast is also in a death metal band called Scorched Earth. Uh, he's also in a traditional metal band called Cursed Blade. So I was like, can I tell what he brings to each of those? Not really. Um, so I haven't seen like a, a real Indiana sound yet, which I think is kind of fun. Uh, yeah, kind of fun. You know, late, later, I, I'm hoping we'll see patterns uh, in, you know, maybe in a decade, we'll be like, oh, you know what, uh, there's a sort of like grittiness to how they maybe record this element of it. And it's because one engineer did all everything. That's what I'm kind of hoping. That would be kind of cool. Because I mean, you know, New York has its its signature sound and LA has its signature sound. And it'd be kind of cool to just to watch it because it is so insular right now, it'd be it's got to be cool to watch it develop its own little unique thing that sets it apart from everyone else. Yeah, I, I will say uh, there was kind of a vacancy in the death metal scene. You know, there's uh, Obscene is the big uh, band here. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and they've had some great releases. Uh, but apart from that, there wasn't a lot of death metal. And now new bands are popping up. So I'm, I'm curious to see this new little uh, death metal uh, bubble that's popping in Indianapolis and, and what happens there. Nice. So I wanted to turn it over into the promo cycle that you were talking about here. So now how, do, how does one kind of figure this out as they go when they're a new label owner? Yeah, um, well, I'd say the, hopefully uh you have spent some time uh cultivating relationships to begin with because obviously um if you have a history within within the music scene and you've already worked with other labels and publicists uh you know you're gonna have an advantage um uh if you haven't then you better get your uh, mailing list uh ready quick uh and uh and for me, I still actually send out individual uh, individual promos um, to around 100, 100 targets per album where I, uh, I personally do it. Uh, and if I'm asking for coverage, I'm very specific about the coverage I want um, or that I hope for. Um, if it's a premiere, those always go out first just so I can lock in the, the major you know, timeline uh, yeah. points. 
Um, but but after that, like the it, it doesn't stop. It's not like you you press send on the mailing list and you're like, all right, now like let's mm-hmm. watch the you know the the fruits blossom. Um, it really is just checking back in, you know, uh, checking back in in a month, seeing if somebody gave it a listen, what they thought. Uh, it might be uh, looking for new ways to reach listeners. Like I'm just getting into Reddit. I'm just getting into, uh, you know, YouTube as, uh, as uh, a really, I mean, there's, there's a lot of really passionate collectors and listeners on YouTube um that that have audiences that uh that when i started this a year ago i i didn't really comprehend um so there's it just i think remaining uh remaining on the clock like uh and just sending promo codes uh to people who might be interested who might share it uh like an instagram post from someone with uh let's say something modest like five thousand followers that's super helpful you know, like, uh, uh, so I don't, I don't see anybody as being like too small to waste time on whether it's someone doing an unboxing video for 40 or 50 people, uh, to, you know, uh, there's been, there's been other bands that have championed my bands that are, you know, and those bands are way bigger. I appreciate yeah. all that stuff. So it's just trying to get creative and being like, if someone shows interest, you know, work with them, work with them. Cause you can't take that for granted. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, so kind of like, so you talked about kind of like making your own list before you started, correct? Because a lot of people will just start the label and will kind of do the promo as an afterthought. Can you kind of go into that? Unless I misunderstood what you were saying and you did it that way. Oh, yeah, no, I, I would say that's a great place to start with uh, uh, is, you know, make a list of writers, specifically writers, and hopefully not like, you know, slush pile, you know, general email. Um, you know, think of writers that have covered music that you loved or that are, you know, they've covered bands that are similar to music you're putting out, uh, reaching out to the writer and asking, Hey, can I send you a promo? Do you mind if I send you some free music? Um, almost always the writer will say yes, you know, uh, or they'll, or they'll just give you an email address that's for that purpose, uh, specifically, um, and if they say no, that's okay. That's their personal life. Like, you know, what, what can you do? You're not going to get yeses everywhere. Yep. Um, so I, I think it's always worthwhile to try to, uh, before you start a label, be like, okay, like who could be my allies uh, yep. on this adventure? Because if you expect to do it alone, then enjoy your, you know, 30, your limited edition 30 cassette release and, uh, you know, to your friends and family, like there, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's cool. And that's like probably personally meaningful, but I'm trying to reach more people than that. Um, Fair. So, okay. So now you're, you're generally just doing one-on-one hit up. You don't do the mass mail outs and stuff like that. Correct. I'm starting to do the uh, the mass uh, the mass email to sure. places that I don't that I don't know and haven't been really responsive. So there's Fair. still there's still hope, you know that um, that maybe this is the one. This is the one that catches their attention. Um, you know, there's just certain uh, there's certain websites, there's certain zines um, that haven't shown interest in what I'm doing yet. Uh, and I don't feel entitled to that, 
you know, I'm not putting them on blast or, or whatever. I'm just yeah. like, you know, I'm still going to keep you in the loop just in case this is the one. Um, so I'll still send something, but I won't personally craft it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be like, okay, you know, this is uh, a press release. This is uh, a promo code or there's a place to stream it. You know, yeah. the, the standard stuff to just try to make it as easy as possible for them to listen and to say yes. Yeah. And cool. yeah, we're interested in some sort of coverage. Makes sense. Uh, Corey, did you have a follow-up on that? Because I got one one different angle I want to go on. No, you go ahead. Cool. Um, okay, so now we, we all know you write for Decibel. So yeah. feel free this or not. Like, how do you feel? What do you feel about ads being run in print mags and online? So, yeah, I, I don't know if this is a bad question to be asking you or not, but I always get this question asked about print ads, online ads. I want to get your own opinion on them. And yes, sure. they're well aware where, where you work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think print ads are uh, are a cost that are difficult to uh, qualify sometimes, like um, because you can, there's no stats coming back at you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I've tried in the past to be like, okay, this is a, um, this is a code, uh, use this code and you'll get a discount just so I could kind of get a read on like how many um, new, the, how much new business I was getting. And it's just tough. It's, it's tough to, to figure out, you know, how effective was this as a sales tool? Uh, so I would say, look at advertising and print as a way of uh ensuring that your album got in front of some very important people's eyes um and it's never a bad thing you know to for your project that might have been unknown to uh to a a magazine to all of a sudden be in their consciousness is super valuable um so uh that that awareness so i would say you know if you it's good to do uh, print ads once in a while, but I'm very excited to start digging more into web ads uh, because I'm a, I'm a data junkie. Uh, you know, my, my, my wife is a, a scientist and she's running all these like data collection uh, things. Right. And I'm like, Ooh, give me, give me that input, man. I, I love stats and numbers. So, um, so I'm really excited to kind of dig more into that side and still do some print ads throughout the year. Um, but sort of supplement them with things that'll give me maybe more demographic information uh, on who's who's clicking my banner, who who cares yeah. about this new album that's coming out. I think that stuff's really uh, valuable. Um, yeah. So I, I would say uh, doing both still seems like a great idea to me. Makes sense. Uh, Corey, did you have anything on ads? Because I think I'm almost out of topics. I do not have anything on ads, actually. Um, Actually, no, wait. So uh, there are a lot of bands out there that want to invest in ads when maybe they're not quite ready. When do you think a band would be ready to invest in ads? Ooh, that's a really good question. yeah, I honestly, I probably didn't add too early for for Wise Blood, um, and I don't regret it because it just put money towards a magazine I like. Um, but I wasn't really. If you can't design a great looking ad, don't spend money on it. That's the first thing. Is also like pay a designer to make it. 
because uh, that's going to be a reflection on your professionalism. Um, but if you can't support, uh, if you can't support selling out your your release uh, in in a week, I wouldn't do it because you know, and what I mean by that is if you can't box and ship every item you have just in case this thing takes off, then you shouldn't be spending money on an ad um, because the worst thing you could do is sell everything out, botch the release, and then have the have it follow you that you couldn't deliver uh you know on the on the shipping side of it mm -hmm. uh, yeah. so make sure that you have uh systems in place where even if it takes the whole band being together in a room you're going to get all that stuff out uh you know within within a week or or communicate very effectively to your fans uh what what the weight would be um i think that would be the only downside the rest is just money you know yeah. like you lose a little money on an ad uh you know, uh, a, a guy in a band, the Mound Builders here said, if I ever make a million dollars playing metal, it's because I spent two million to get there. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's uh, it, waving goodbye to some money happens all the time. You know, you break you break instruments, you break gear. Uh, I think investing into an ad is just one of those expenditures that hopefully you feel good about it. But if not, you kind of like you, you let it go and hope better for the next one. Which kind of leads me to a follow-up because this morning I actually got, I actually had a client um, send me something where a magazine had requested an ad and they would give them an interview and a review uh, in exchange for the uh, ad. I want to hear your, well, I want to actually hear both your guys' opinion on this. I don't like it, but I want to, but Sean, let, let's hear your opinion on this first. Oh man. Yeah, no, I, I've received so many of the similar offers uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm into I want genuine excitement uh, for my music and uh, pay to play stuff uh, is not for me. Uh, I, I don't want to condemn it fully because bands, some bands will do that and it's, it might be a great career choice for them uh, as a long run decision. So I don't want to like smear anybody that's just trying to do better for themselves. Uh, but it's not for me. Um, you know, I, I target writers that have a track record of loving the genre you know that that have put in you know years uh of of great journalistic work um you know to cover things they're passionate about so something like that i would also question just uh how much love goes into the magazine if 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 it's a constant like we'll cover anybody who gives us money uh, that sounds like maybe the vetting for the magazine uh, uh, wouldn't be what I would want as a fan, you know, because yeah. I, I, I want, you know, I know, uh, I know a lot of these websites are excited to review stuff. I know Elbert, uh, you know, is excited to put immolation on the cover, uh, you know, and I think uh, by, by Elbert, Elbert Mudran from Decibel. Um, but uh, yeah, a magazine like that, that sounds like something that is just a, a little outside my comfort. Uh, so I'll be here slumming it, you know, hustling for <laughs> hustling for coverage uh, the old fashioned way. There, Corey, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's I think it's outdated, number one, um, because print is only for a small subset of fans. Yeah. Um, you're really I don't think you're going to see the ROI on an ad. Um, and a lot of the times I feel like it's a vanity thing. Um, 
to where a band can, oh, look, we're in print. Look, yep. like it, it's kind of the same as when authors do like a vanity printing of their book because no other publisher would pick them up is <laughs> kind of what it feels like to me. And I, like you said, I don't want to dog people who do this because there are some genres it's really helpful. Um, goth metal is one that it's, you know, the, the two bigger publications that handle it, buying an ad there can have some ROI to it um, because that is kind of an old school mentality in that particular genre. Um, but I also, it feels a little bit uh, predatory to me and it like, irks me when people try to, you know, squeeze an artist for every last dime that they have. And that's, that's like my, one of my big pet peeves, but that's just my thoughts on it. I think you can get, um, more of an ROI running a digital ad than putting money into print. Fair. Fair. No, I can understand that. Okay. Well, I think, do we have anything else for Sean before we wrap up, Corey? I am good on my end. We've, we've covered a lot of, you know, fun ins and outs of running a label. Um, but what it, do you have any other parting words of wisdom or anything else you want to throw out there, Sean? Oh man. Uh, well, I, I unload your wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, I think don't be afraid to be a part of your community. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, as I see a lot of labels that will, and, and by label, I'm going to focus on like one person labels. Uh, uh, the bigger ones, they operate, you know, in their own, in their own uh, way. But if you're running a one person label, uh, you have to protect and guard that flame that made you start it. So don't overload yourself uh, with releases. Don't make it feel like an assembly line. Um, create boundaries. You're going to have to create a lot of boundaries because everyone's going to want uh, a piece of your time and it adds up. And there's only so many uh, minutes in the day, uh, despite my uh, attempts to, to discover more. Um, uh, apart from those, yeah, community is, is, a, is the success uh, behind Wise Blood, like for sure. Uh, without this city embracing me, I wouldn't have had the early success that has let me now have a wider uh, listenership. Um, so, uh, you know, I make, uh, I make connections with small businesses around here all the time. I have a wise blood beer, uh, that just came out this week. Um, nice. and, uh, there's been burger places that name burgers after our bands, uh, you know, pizza places they are going to run, uh, that are going to run specials, you know, uh, about our bands and all that. Nice. Um, so that stuff, uh, that means that means you you matter you know that means you matter in your scene and people will be familiar with you uh so don't be afraid to go out and meet your neighbors i think is my big thing um but uh but yeah just try to bring positivity to what you do uh if you're starting a label uh and like sincerely i i welcome uh anyone who's thinking about starting a label to uh submit uh some questions to me because I had a ton of help at the start from guys like uh, Thomas Haywood at Redefining Darkness and, uh, and uh, James over at Transylvanian Recordings. Um, nice. You know, guys like that, other people, people like, uh, people like you that have seen a different side of the business. Uh, everyone has wisdom and please <laughs> use it. You know, use that wisdom to, for a better launch. Totally. 
All right. So with that, thank you, Sean, for coming on and party on, Corey. Party on, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C-Squared.